I want to share a message with you that has been brewing in my heart for a time. I was, uh, had some experiences a while back that the Lord had ministered to me, and then just about six months ago, I was listening to the radio. Uh, there's a fellow named uh, Bob Duco that was on the radio, and, and he's, he's a good guy. And uh, uh, Bob is excellent at what he does, and uh, he had someone on his show, uh, Rick Lawrence, who wrote a book called Shrewd. And it really impacted me because it resonated with what God had shown me in, a couple years ago and was speaking into my heart, a verse that became very much alive in me. And I want to share that message with you today, uh, how to be holy shrewd, holy and shrewd. The book by Rick Lawrence is called Shrewd. It's published by David C. Cook in 2012. And so what I want to do is share that message so that we would begin to move in the full impact that the church is supposed to have in the land that we live. And so if you'll turn to Luke 16, what you'll see here is a parable that Jesus gives about a uh, steward or a manager that a man had over his land. And he says this in Luke 16, verse 1 through 8. There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. He called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do? My master is taking the management away from me. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do. So that he went out and removed from being removed from the management, he went to the people that owed the master. Verse 5, so summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, hey, look, this is how much you owe the master, a hundred measures of oil. He said, take your bill, sit down quickly, write 50. And then he said to another, you owe a hundred, and he said to, to him, take your bill, write 80. The master commended, now here's the key in the verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Now that's one of those parables, uh, one of the key ones, that when you hear it, you kind of cock your head like a dog and go, huh? Jesus is using this parable to commend the manager who was not performing his job properly, and when he got fired, cheated his boss out of the money. Now, why is Jesus saying, good job, buddy? Why is he saying that? Now, here's the thing about parables that you need to understand. Parables are very simple illustrations. They don't have a lot of uh, depth of symbology and symbolism. They really try to make one point. What's the point that Jesus wanted to make? That this guy was shrewd. That's the point he's trying to make. How was he shrewd? Well, he messed up in his job and got fired. But before he got fired, he went to the people who owed money to the boss why did he do this? Because he knew he'd be out of a job, therefore out of a house, and he needed to get, find a way to sustain his life. So if he cut deals with people that owed his manager, knowing he's fired already, he could end up and go back to them and say, hey, I cut you a deal, can you give me a place to live? That's just being shrewd. 
You see what I'm saying? They owed 100 bucks to the boss. He said, look, give them 80 and we're done. Really? Great. Here you go. You owe 100 to the boss, give me 50 and we're good. Really? That's a deal. Here's 50 bucks. He goes back to the owner. Now, here's the manager. The, manager, the, the owner says, you are very shrewd. That's pretty good work. And Jesus says this, the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. He's saying this world is more shrewd at what they do than we are with what we should be doing. They're better at it. He's not commending the man for cheating and stealing. He's just making a single point that we need to be more shrewd, more cunning, if you will. Now, that can get you in trouble. So he tempers that statement in Matthew 10 by saying this, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, it's a jungle out there. Therefore, be as wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Now that word wise as serpents, same Greek word as shrewd. Be as shrewd as serpents, but harmless as doves, or righteous as doves. Okay? Well, let's take a look at some of these symbols. He's saying that we as the church are sheep among wolves. It's a rough world out there. We can get torn apart. Now, look at the animals. Sheep are nice little animals, right? They don't hurt nobody. They eat the grass. They're nice little things. Wolves like to chew on them, devour them, and eat them, right? In our righteousness, there is an enemy to us. As children of God, we are called to be right with God. We're called to be honest and true, gentle and loving, speaking the truth in love. We can get chewed up and spit out by an angry world and a demonic force that is crazy. He then says, therefore, be shrewd. I'm sending you out as sheep. I'm sending you out as lambs. I'm sending you out to be pure, to be spotless, to be innocent, to be loving, to be true, and to be pure. But be smart. Be shrewd as a serpent and innocent as a dove. And that's what he's saying to his church. I believe in this day and in this hour, we need to be more shrewd or cunning in who we are as the church, as the children of light. We need to be smart in our dealings better than we have been before. So let's see how Rick Lawrence in his book Shrewd defined that word. He said this, being shrewd is understanding how things work. Leveraging that knowledge to apply the right force in the right place at the right time. That's shrewd. I think of judo. Do you know what judo does? Jiu-jitsu? It uses the weight of your opponent against themselves. It watches for the attack, and as the attack's coming, you at the right time with the right leverage use their force against them. 
so that as they're coming to you, you simply need to duck or move or twist so that the weight of their force takes them down. That's shrewd. That's cunning. He's saying we need to be shrewd as the church. He says the people of this world are more shrewd. But the reason they're shrewd is because they're selfish and want gain, and they'll cheat, steal, and lie. We are not to be that. We're to be as innocent as doves. But we are to be smart. We are to be shrewd so that we can accomplish what God would have us accomplish. He says, know how things work. The leverage of things. A lot of people do this. They know how to do it. They're very good at it. You ever go to a timeshare conversation? These people use leverage. You know where you go and you get a free trip, but you got to sit for a little 90-minute discussion? No problem. Oh, man, I'm sweating bullets by the time I'm done. I, I, it wasn't worth the two-week stay. It's murder. They're using every leverage in the book. And then after the one guy's done with you, well, I'll let my manager talk to you. No. And he comes. Uh, and then the heat just rises. And he can't make it. Then the next guy comes. They got leverage. Right? You ever been in that situation? You've been where people know how to swing a deal. They know how to make it go. They, woo, those people are good. God says, where's my church? Right? We're, we're pretty dull. Come on, think about it. We're really dull trying to convince the world that they're going to hell and they need Jesus. People are like, what? Hmm? Yeah, mm-hmm, sure. Come on, now what's in innocence? Freedom from guilt of any kind. Clean hands and a pure heart. Our motivation must always be to the glory of God, not to our glory and to our gain. Our motivation is always innocent of evil. Right? Be innocent of what is evil, Paul says. And so, clean hands and a pure heart. Now, there's people who are very shrewd and good at it. They lie, they cheat, they deceive, but they're not innocent. What I find interesting is Jesus actually uses the term as a serpent, shrewd as a serpent, innocent as a dove. Now, Jesus knows what he's talking about. He knows the age-old symbol of a serpent. Going back to Genesis 1, describing the snake that Satan went into, what's the description of that animal? The serpent is the most what? Cunning. Another word for shrewd the most cunning animal that there is, a reptile, right? Jesus knows this. Also throughout Scripture, we know that the serpent is a term for Satan. It's interesting that Jesus says, be as cunning and as shrewd as the devil. Now, he's not saying lie like the devil, deceitful like. He's just saying, I know how this thing works. I know how he operates. You need to know your enemy's tactics, your enemy's schemes. You, Paul, in fact, says we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Sure seems like the church is ignorant of them. It's just that we're not being as shrewd as he is. How do you overcome an opponent? You've got to know his game. You've got to be as shrewd as he is. Don't you play any games here, Anybody? Right? Card games, huh? Right? Board games. I know some of you folks. I've seen you play. You're not as innocent as doves, some of you. Huh? You got the shrewd part down. How many of you study an opponent? Right? You think these guys get into boxing rings 
without studying. Do you know how during the week these sports games, these, these the football players, basketball players, what do they watch all week long? Films of the opponent that they're going to play that week. Why? They want to study their opponent. Right? You want to beat them, you got to know them. Jesus says you need to be as shrewd as a serpent. But then he says this, you need to be as harmless of the spirit of the dove, of the Holy Spirit. You need to be as blameless as the Holy Spirit. And you need to be filled with that spirit. Now, if I'm filled with the Spirit of God and I know my opponent's game plan, ain't no stopping me now. Right? We've got a clear path to victory here. So what's going on in the church? Especially in this country, what's going on with us? Right? These two forces create a dynamic of righteous authority that should cause us to just overrun the enemy. But I don't think, and that's what Jesus was saying even to his own disciples, he said, this world's more shrewd than you are. Now, uh, we can do without the deceit. We We shouldn't be devious. We shouldn't be liars. We shouldn't be cheaters. But we should be shrewd and cunning in what we are doing for the kingdom of God. Consider this, in the fight for souls, you face the devil and a sinner. You must defeat one while saving the other. How do you do that? Here we are, the church, we're going into the world, we have an enemy that wants to devour us, we have an enemy, Satan, we're coming against an enemy and we're trying to reach someone who's lost and blind to that message and really doesn't care. Now as you're coming against both of them, how do you defeat one and win another it's tactical isn't it you got to be careful there's one solution that defeats the enemy and wins the lost the word of god it cuts between the soul and the spirit it defeats the enemy you remember how cunning jesus was when satan himself came to tempt him and jesus stood upon the word of god And he was shrewd to say, oh, well, if you think you're the Son of God, what do you mean think I'm the Son of God? If you really are the Son of God, hey, man, Father just said from heaven, 40 days ago, I was just baptized, a dove came down, a voice came from heaven and said, I'm the Son of God, I know I am. Who are you to say, if you are the Son of God, do this? Oh, that's that's tricky. That's shrewd, right? You ever been caught like that? Hey, if you are who you say you are, come on, it's playing on you. The Word of God, Jesus stood on the Word and said, back off then he went on and he went on and jesus stood on the word you see the word cuts asunder the word is a two-edged sword that two-edged sword can cut away the enemy and save a lost soul it can by the love of god destroy satan and heal a sinner it's a two-edged sword it's powerful and mighty amen now Where's the church in all of this? Can I tell you where the church is, basically? It's two ends. The two ends are this. This is what's happened to us. We're too nice and too normal. We've become too nice and too normal. Now, what I mean by that is we have milked all the uniqueness out of each other. We all come here and we all learn a particular Christian language. We all talk the same, act the same, walk the same. We learn this Christian culture. When I think of the apostles, they were, man, they were crazy guys. 
You had a fisherman and a tax collector. You had Paul. This, these guys were, God took who they were, that raw material, and he didn't meek it out of them. He didn't get rid of it. He developed it for righteousness' sake. They were not nice to the devil. They weren't polite to the enemy. They wreaked havoc. He said this kingdom must be taken by force. And it must come through. And so we're to be not nice, but a terror of righteousness against a devil, but the love of God to the lost. Now you got to be careful when you use that word terror nowadays. There are people who are shrewd to use terror against people. This is not the scriptures. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Where's our enemy? Principalities, spiritual powers, and evil forces. And we have weapons against them. To people, ours is love, forgiveness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, patience, the fruit of God's own spirit. That's where the balance of the dove comes in and always puts us back in balance. Now, we're too normal. God said he needed a, a people who were not lukewarm. That's another definition for normal. Normal is that you fit fine in your culture as a people. And, and the early church wouldn't sit for that. They wouldn't bow to Caesar. They have only one God but Jesus. They would obey the laws, and they will obey the laws of the land, but they will not become the same temperature of the climate around them. Jesus said to the Laodicean church, you have become lukewarm. He said, I'd rather have you cold or hot. Do you see? Because it takes effort to be cold in a lukewarm society. It takes effort to be hot in a lukewarm society. He said, I'd rather have you one or another, but if you're the same temperature of the crowd around you, you are of no effect. Nothing there. Nothing there. Salt losing its savor has no ability or function. And so he says, I'd rather have you hot or cold. What's happened to the church is, we're fine with the legislature. We're fine with that group. We're fine with the righteousness of the land being unrighteous. We still get to go to church, as long as it doesn't affect our church building, as long as it doesn't affect us getting our Bible study, we don't care. We're too normal with our society, and our society is falling and falling in more unrighteousness, and we're on the ride there. We're on the bus. Somebody get off the bus. Right? We need to be on the road saying, folks, the bus is going in the wrong direction this way. Who will follow us? Who will follow us? We need to be shrewd to make that happen. Now, God is a holy persuader. God knows how to persuade us. He persuaded every one of us. Romans chapter 4, verse 21 says this, that Abraham was persuaded, fully persuaded, that God would do what he promised he would do. Who persuaded Abraham? God. There was no one else around. All right? There was one believer in the earth. His name was Abraham. And then there's God. So God had to persuade Abraham of what was going to happen. And God is shrewd. God can make things happen. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life. God can make things happen in your life where you really don't have too many other choices but Him. Have you been there? 
You did your thing, you went your way, till finally you go, I'm convinced. He said, Abraham, you will have a child, and the seed of that child will fill the earth like the stars of the heaven, the sand of the sea. I'm 90. My wife's 80. What are you talking about? There's no other way. Oh, well, maybe I'll go with Hagar. Maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll try that. There's no other way. God's waiting. God's patient. Till he was fully convinced. All right, I'm, I'm persuaded. That's what we need to be doing to a dying world. We don't need to persuade the devil. We need to tell the devil to get lost. But to a dying world, we need to persuade them. We need to learn the fulcrum. We need to learn the leverage of how to speak into their lives, how to touch their heart, and how to bring them by their own need unto the Savior. Being shrewd to do it and innocent and holy in our efforts. That's what we need to do. Well, what about Rahab? Right? She was shrewd. She lied. Right? So what's wrong with lying? Can't we be a little bit deceitful to get something done here? No. That's not what Jesus said. He said be shrewd, but you cannot be unholy or unrighteous. What about Rahab? You who speak of the Bible. You Bible people. You have contradictions. You say you're God's holy, but Rahab's honored in the Bible. And what did she do? She lied. She said when they sent two spies, when Israel was going to enter into Jericho, they sent two spies in. They climbed through the walls. They come in. Guess where they went? Now, these guys are shrewd. Guess where they entered into Jericho through? The prostitute's house. Why? All sorts of fellas coming in and out of there every day. Come on, think about it, right? Nothing unusual here. Another group of strangers in Rahab's house. They go to Rahab's house. They scout out the land. They come back. The guards know they're there. The king hears about it. They go to Rahab. They say, hey, where are these guys at? They're upstairs hiding, and she lies. Well, no, she just kind of was protecting. No, she lied. You can't get around that. She lied. I don't know. They went away. They're not here. That's a lie. Okay. All right. And so why is she honored in Hebrews 11 as a woman of faith? Well, let me tell you. Here's the point. She was honored for her faith. She came to faith in God. Does the Bible say lying is wrong? Absolutely. What is the fate of liars? The lake of fire, eternal damnation. All right, I think God's pretty clear on that. Real strong, you cannot lie. All right? Okay. So did God allow this lie? God didn't lie. Rahab did. Is God honoring this lie? No. Rahab came to a faith in God. And she needed to give up two things. Lying and lying. Prostitution. <laughs> I guess there's a couple ways you could look at this. I never thought of that. <laughs> Okay, she had a lying problem. <laughs> now, in order to follow the Lord and to stay true to his word, she had to stop prostitution and lying. God didn't ask her to lie. God could have got them out of there without the lie, but she was the vessel used and she determined she would lie. Did God need to have someone lie for him? No. I mean, when they came to Jericho, what happened to that city? Boom! 
It went down. You think God needed someone to lie for him? He could have got him out. But that's the way it went. But here's the thing. When she came to faith, she changed her life from lying and prostitution to the Scriptures. So we cannot lie. We must be shrewd but clean in what we do. Let me give you an example of those who use shrewdness, those who do use cunning. Uh, Islam condones lying for the faith. An imam named Abdu Ghazarel, uh, very famous uh, Ghazali, Abdu Ghazali, uh, says this, Speaking is a means to achieve objectives. If a praiseworthy aim is attainable through both telling the truth and lying, it's okay. It, it's unlawful to accomplish this by lying if you don't need to lie. But when it's possible to achieve an aim by lying and not telling the truth, it's permissible to lie if you attain that goal. So that's a problem. Islam says there are four reasons or occasions you can lie. According to the Quran, number one is to save one's life. Now I would imagine they use the Rahab story there. Number two, to effect a peace or a reconciliation. I don't know what kind of reconciliation you're going to get through lying. Third, to persuade a woman. I'm leaving that alone. Fourth, on the occasion of a journey or an expedition. The reason they qualify those is because Muhammad himself on those occasions would use dishonesty or not tell what was true. The Bible prohibits that and doesn't allow that. But there's shrewdness in the way people act. Islam has a shrewd plan for world domination. If you don't know this church, if we don't recognize that they are more well-planned, prepared, and united than the church is. They've got a plan over the next decade for world domination. They know what nations to take out next, how to do it through anarchy and terror, and how to use the, the press and jihad to accomplish that. The homosexual agenda has the same agenda. Look it up online. They've planned it out since the 70s. They have a particular point-by-point -point agenda of how to overcome a society with a gay agenda, how to change the language, how to make it uh, effective in the social media and to influence politics and business and take over. How are they doing? Very effective. Very effective, very shrewd, very effective. What's our plan? Talk to our friends about Jesus. Right? There is a plan. And, and it has been effective, but of late, it has been waning. It has been waning because basically we've become too normal with or normalized with our society. We have a radical gospel that teaches love, that teaches purity, that teaches grace, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. This is a message every human heart craves for. But right now, as people are craving, other people are filling it with a different message because we're not speaking up. We're not shrewd enough. We need to understand what it means to be shrewd and to speak the truth in love. All right? Let me share with you some of these points. Now, how do we leverage this? How do we use the leverage to accomplish that? Number one, we must be persistent. We must be 
persistent. Go one more question further. Ask one more question. Make one more point. We stop too soon. We're to be innocent as doves, but many times we don't press in to reach. You know, people are guarded, and the enemy has used things in their lives to guard them. We have to go just a little past what is comfortable for people and speak the truth in love, but press it. How many of you, I'm going to share my age now, how many of you have ever seen Columbo? Or at least the reruns. Do you remember Columbo? He was this dumpy guy that would wear this, the, that raincoat jacket thing, right? And he'd have a cigar, and he'd always come in, all right, yeah. yeah and there'd be some kind of murder thing or this, and he'd ask these questions that were like, what are you asking that for? And after he was done with his question, okay, I just wanted to know, you know, I just needed to find out uh, what that was. <laughs> then he goes, <laughs> don't buy the first service tape, it was nowhere near that. I just got it right now. I just got it. <laughs> I don't know if I can keep it. All right. So, but how many of you remember this? How many of you remember this? When he's done with the question, then he walks away. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's good. And he'd walk away. Oh, yeah. Uh, one more question. That's what I'm talking about. One more. Just go one step further. Many times we quit too soon. We quit too soon. And the enemy has thrown out different things and different protectors so that we, we back off and we're Mr. Polite and we're Mr. Nice and we're this and that. But this is someone's soul. Go one step, come back and be a little more persistent. Now, secondly, we must be insightful. We must be insightful. You must watch. We must learn how to be good at this, how to understand the leverage of the people we're working with, where they're at, where their heart is, what they've been through, who you're talking to. Watch them, read them, know them. As many times as you're looking and watching, uh, you'll say different things and they don't even realize that their body is reacting to it. Watch their eyes and understand. Why are you doing this? What's the big deal? Souls being saved and not going to hell. Do you know that there are people who are professional interrogators? Right? I'm not saying to interrogate people. I'm just using the illustration. They watch body language. They have people who watch a show and they go, oh, that guy's lying. How do you know he's lying? Watch this. Look at his eye. It goes over here. He's going to stand like this. He's moved his head like that. What the heck? I don't know that. Watch. In the Spirit, the Spirit of God will begin to show you things. When I pray for people that I don't know and I'm with them, I keep my eyes on them. I keep my eyes open. First of all, you don't know what the reaction's going to be. With some people, when you're praying for them and you're praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, you might get a poof. So you keep your eyes open. But there are so many times when I'm praying for them and I hear the Lord give me a word for them, a sense of what they're needing in healing or a word, and I'll say it, and all of a sudden you'll see this twitch or this eye glaze or they'll move like this. And it's like, okay, we're on something here. This is Holy Spirit time. We're on something. So you're insightful. You watch and you go that step further. You press in. And next thing you know, you've made breakthrough to a soul that's been hungry for something and they don't know what but because you were shrewd, cunning, insightful to talk with them and watch them, you could bring in the love of God. This matters. This matters. What else? And 
Uh, how, how to do this? Let me give you an, an example of being insightful and shrewd. Uh, I had a personal dealing uh, in, with different deliverance situations. Here's a, a deliverance situation where I knew my enemy, and, and uh, while we were pressing in for deliverance, there was a demonic force there that was really unwilling to give up and leave that person's life. And that, pers- that demon's assignment was to kill that person. And I told that demon that, you can, will you leave if I bring this person to death? And that demon said, yes. And I said, then, now, let us pray. And I said, and that person agreed, will you come to the cross of Jesus Christ and die this day before the Lord Jesus? And that person said, yes. And that demon screamed out and had to leave. It had no legal right to be there. You see, the demonic loves to show its pride. They are not clean. They are unclean. And in their cunning and in their shrewdness, they always overplay their hand. And if you're insightful, you can always see they'll overplay it. They'll overplay it. And if you're patient and watching, you can win over that enemy by the Word of God and the sword of the Spirit. Take an indirect approach. What's that mean? Do you know what they call snakes? Sidewinders. Why do they call snakes sidewinders? Because that's how they travel. (laughs) On their side. They take indirect approaches. You know, many times in our witnesses in trying to reach the lost and trying to win a soul, you know, we come up to people, do you know Jesus? It's like, okay, I know where this guy's coming from. What's this all about? Folks, we're not as subtle as we really think we are. (laughs) Can you come in an approach that will present a real sense of caring in these people's lives? And not always just guarded in a facade, but a real truth and a real caring. Can you love them unto themselves before you have to try to get them saved? Do you see what I mean? Can you show some care and, and, and approach them at an angle that God cares for them and loves them as opposed to just spitting out some Bible verses and throwing tracts at them. Let's come at them in a way that will actually minister to their heart and life. Let them find that you could answer some questions and that you'll do that gently and lovingly without trying to reel them in at the first try. Fourth, know when to stop. Know when to stop. There's times the Lord gives us something. We have a breakthrough with people. They sense and know God. They, they, they know that God is doing something and there's something established and then we need to give a 30-minute sermon on our own experiences. You've just trampled on something that God's been doing. Know when to stop and when to turn them over to the Lord and over to the Holy Spirit. It's not about you, right? And so in cunning and in simplicity, learn when to stop and when to do this. Now, the reason I said that this has been happening in my own life is because I had an experience with Matthew 10, where being as wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. I share this experience because I really began to learn how to become more shrewd through this experience. About five years ago, I've shared this, many of you know it, but for those who don't, about five years ago, I was ministering in China. 
and I was in the northwest area region of China. And there, ministering to the underground church, there were about 26, 23 to 26 pastors in this small secluded room. We were brought there in, in the night, in the darkness of night, so we couldn't be seen. We were locked there for two weeks behind closed doors. No toilets, no running water, uh, just a light bulb. And we were there ministering, and God was pouring out in great power and great anointing. Uh, about the third day in, the police busted in and arrested us. They confiscated our visa and our uh, passports, put us under house arrest, and took us to a local hotel where we were uh, under house arrest in that room, and the police were watching our doors. Then they told us that the next day they would be interrogating us. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what was going to happen to us. We had been talking to some of those pastors as to what they had been through through some of the interrogation. They had injections of some medications that made them, you know, uh, really messed up. And they did physical things and beatings. I, I didn't know if this is what I was going to wake up to in the, in the morning. So uh, Pastor Steve and I were in a room together and it was, you know, time to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I wasn't like Peter happily asleep till an angel had to kick him. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm here and I don't know what to do. And I, Jesus, help me. I was just trying to sleep with the guy. Right, so you're tossing and turning and you don't know if you're going to be alive or dead the next day. And I'm praying for insight. I'm praying for wisdom. I'm seeking God. And God spoke to me so clearly. He said, I want you to be as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So I spent the next six hours trying to understand what that meant. Really? Do you have any more words? Anything else? But in that process, I began to understand that I was to be shrewd with those who were going to interrogate me. I needed to be very accurate and very careful. Here's why. If I gave them the reason why I was there in the sense to build the church and strengthen it, those Christian pastors that were under arrest would then now be either put to jail or beaten because of that confession. So I did not want to do that for those pastors' sake. They may end up dead. But before my God, I cannot lie. So my options were lie and offend God or tell the truth and see these Chinese pastors either put to death or in prison. So, I had to think about it. Believe me, I tried either option. I thought, I'll just lie. But there was such a holy presence in that room. There was such a holy presence upon me that I felt I cannot lie to God. I thought of Rahab, believe me. I went through that lesson a whole bunch of times too. Well, Rahab did. Hmm. And I realized I cannot do this to these other people. I can't do that, and I can't lie. My option is possibly to die, or, as God said to me, then it became clear and the perspective came in, be as wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Be cunning and know your opponent's questions and be as holy as the Spirit of God. And then God reminded me, it's a long story, I won't go into it, but when God had, 
set me up to, and it was a setup, <laughs> to go to China. Months ahead of time, as I was preparing to teach, God told me, you are not to teach. Do not teach. And Lord, what am I to do? He said, you're only to facilitate my presence. You are to minister healing and strength to these people and not teach. It came crashing in, and then I knew how to be as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So the interrogation began. The, the mayor of that city was there. The head of the religious bureau for all of China was there. There were policemen there, and the head of the police force of that city was there. And we're sitting around, the translators there, and they are uh, forcefully telling me, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Do you have a Bible? Yes, I have a Bible. Because I knew they had my Bible. They confiscated it. Are you a Christian? Yes. Are you a strong Christian? Yes, I am. Did you come here to teach these people the Bible? No, I did not. And before God and for the safety of those people, I could declare that with clean hands and a pure heart. These days, brothers and sisters, we've got to be clean. We've got to be honorable to God. There's no shades of right and wrong. We have to honor God wherever we are, in public, out of public. We have to be honest and true. But God will always give you a way of escape. If you will honor him first, he will then teach you how to be shrewd and cunning to defeat the enemy. That story goes on, but I'm not going to go there. I'm going to now tell you how to have the right attitude to be shrewd. Number one, you must have spiritual wisdom. You must have the mind of Christ. You must seek God. This isn't your intelligence. This is His intelligence. Can I tell you what? On our own intelligence, we can't beat the devil. But with His revelation knowledge, we can. Staying pure, we can. You must have the wisdom of God to accomplish this. We must seek Him and His understanding. We must know the Word of God. How are you going to go to a world or an atheist who has been studying physics and studying evolution and studying these things and we don't know a thing about it? How are you going to be cunning? How are you going to understand? We need to study people. Paul did. Do you remember what Paul did on Mars Hill? He started quoting their own poets. He was speaking to all the intellects of Corinth. He was speaking to the philosophers and all of them. He was quoting their own writers and he was telling them, look at folks, he got the upper hand in their argument. That's the cunning that you know their argument. You can begin to speak to them and you can show them love. Even when they are more intelligent and have a better argument, God gives you a word of knowledge or information and you preach into their heart, which they weren't expecting. And their intellect says one thing, but their heart is craving what God has and you can speak into that. That's wisdom. You remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9? He said this, to a Jew, I'll be a Jew. To a Gentile, I'll be a Gentile, right? I will become all things to all people so that I may win some. Shrewd. You want me to shave my head, James, and be a Jew for a week? Fine. So that I can go into the synagogue and win some more people. You want me to go hang out with the Gentiles, huh? Eat where they eat, dress where they dress, speak in their houses because I'm kicked out of this. I'll be a Gentile. All under the law of Christ, I know. But he didn't compromise his holiness. And so he understood the spiritual wisdom. Secondly, you have to have absolute humility. You can't say, <laughs> I got you on this one. Wow, it was pretty smart of me. <laughs> I beat that devil. 
<laughs> He'll come back on you. Watch the tail. Smack him in the head. You better watch the tail. You stay low. Always. It's always by God's strength we do anything. We stay humble. That's the only way you can stay pure is to know that I must be humble before God. You always speak the truth in love. We don't shade it. We don't color it another way. We don't uh, uh, make it something or contort it. We don't give half-truths. We speak the truth in love no matter what the consequence. We must speak truth so that when people know when we speak, he's speaking the truth. That's the history of the church. We can't be false people. So we speak the truth. May I tell you, conviction goes a long way in an argument. You may have lost the argument. You may have lost the discussion to their intelligence and to their abilities. But if you spoke the truth, it never returns void. Have trust in God, last of all. Know that God will accomplish what He wants to accomplish. Give them the word and let it go. That's what it means to be shrewd. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd, cunning, or as wise as serpents, and as harmless as doves. That's what God has called us to be. And I just feel that we're all ready for this. I feel that we're ready for a new level in God. I believe it in this church. I just felt it this morning at the end of the second service that God is bringing us to this place. God is beginning to highlight in people's lives words of knowledge and revelation. People are beginning to feel the move of the Holy Spirit in greater measures. Wherever you're at, you're at the grocery store, you're at Kmart, you're at this, you're beginning to move in God in the supernatural and in different realms. You're speaking truth and more direct. You're, you're, you're speaking it out. You're getting excited about what God's doing. This is happening to us. This is us. And God's saying, all right, it's time for my people to get cunning and shrewd in how to deal with the forces of darkness and to bring the innocence of my presence into people's lives. Amen? Do you agree with that? Amen. And let's stand up. Hallelujah.